Welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. My name is Talaya Dindi. I'm a cancer thriver, cancer doula, independent patient advocate, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. Gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that are needed and what one receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps by sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who are thriving on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complementary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Hello, everyone. This is Talaya Dindi from OnTheOtherSide.life, and you're listening to Navigating Cancer Together, the show that has something for everyone facing cancer. Why? Because everyone is different with different needs, beliefs, and perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I encourage you to open your minds and your hearts. Today, our very special guest is Dr. E.B. Dr. E.B. is a board-certified radiation oncologist who gained her medical and oncology postgraduate education from Harvard's Cancer Therapeutics and Research Program, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, and Cornell Medical College. She is a multi-award winning radiation oncologist, cancer ambassador, consultant, best-selling author, dynamic international speaker, podcaster, and YouTuber. She does a lot, everyone. I'm just really inspired by all that she does. Dr. E.B., thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Thank you for having me. It is my honor and my pleasure for sure. And you do a lot too, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you, Dr. E.B. Before we kick off the conversation, how are you feeling today? Ah, that's so sweet. Very thoughtful. I am well and I am blessed. How are you? I am good. And I'm happy to hear that you're doing well and very happy that you're blessed. So wonderful. Now, one thing I really want to know, I want the audience to know, I, I know what it is, but I want the audience to know what is radiation therapy and why is it recommended for some cancer patients and not others? Okay, so radiation therapy is like a black box to most patients, most Patients and their family members know about chemotherapy. They've heard of it before, but radiation they're not quite sure of. So that's a great question. Radiation therapy is basically high energy x-rays that we use to ablate or kill cancer cells. So that's what radiation really is. So if you've had an x-ray before, you understand that when you're undergoing radiation therapy, you actually don't feel anything during the course of the delivery, during the delivery of treatment. You hear a funny sound, but you don't feel anything. And that's important for patients to know that they're not going to feel pain during the radiation, that they're not going to actually feel the sun 
burn during the actual radiation, even though that is considered one of the side effects, the skin reaction. They won't feel that. Now, to answer the question of why some patients undergo radiation and some patients don't qualify, is that the question why they don't undergo, why they choose to not undergo, or why do they not qualify? Why do they not qualify? Aha, got Mm -hmm. it. Okay. So I'll use the example of breast cancer. For a patient who undergoes lumpectomy, meaning they've preserved the breast, they have not undergone a mastectomy, right? Then all those patients, theoretically, depending on age, but radiation is recommended after a lumpectomy because it has been demonstrated to significantly reduce the risk of the tumor returning. Now, if a patient undergoes mastectomy, radiation therapy may or may not be recommended because of the stage. For example, if a stage one breast cancer patient decides to undergo mastectomy, that patient would not qualify for radiation therapy if all the margins, the surgical margins are negative. The determining factors are, of course, stage, right? Also, the other factors could be that the patient qualifies in terms of stage, but they do not in terms of comorbidities. For example, there can be patients who have such severe lung disease that if we treat a patient and we know that the lung dose is going to be too high, we would recommend that they forego radiation. Or if a patient has undergone radiation in the past for a different diagnosis, then we may not recommend re-irradiation even though that patient qualifies for radiation. Thank you very much. Dr. E.B., the oncology field is tough. Why did you get into this field and how do you cope with the challenges of the work that you do? Is there a personal connection at all? I have close friends and distant family members who have been affected by cancer. I entered the field of oncology not intending to. I entered the field of medicine because my mom died at a very young age of 38. I was 13 at the time. Mm. And... I was really impressed by a particular physician who not only cared a lot for my mom, but also the family members. He engaged with my brothers and I so much so that we felt a part of the entire process, which I think is important. And that left an indelible impression on my mind. That's an approach that I use in my practice today. But that's the reason I entered medicine. Now, when I originally came to this country, because I'm an immigrant from Jamaica, I'm a U.S. citizen now, obviously, but I, I entered the PhD program at Georgia State University and I was presented with several 
several projects and one that stood out, the one that I was really interested in pursuing was synthesizing DNA intercalating agents. And as you probably know, these are agents that intercalate in the DNA. And then, of course, when they do, then they slice the DNA. And in so doing, they can attack cancer cells. So one example is anthroquinones, for example, so an anthracycline, so doxorubicin, which mm -hmm. is used in the treatment of multiple cancers. That is an example. My PhD dissertation entailed actually synthesizing those agents, but changing the side chains, which would then change the characteristic of the compound. And in so doing, change the efficacy of the intercalating agent and thus the anti-cancer activity. Mm -hmm. While I was so immersed in writing my dissertation and just all the different publications that you need to read in order to understand the concepts and then build on that foundation, my interest in medicine was reignited. Mm -hmm. And that is why I entered medical school. But at that point, I knew I wanted to pursue oncology because of that immersion that I experienced during my graduate school experience. But I didn't know that I wanted to pursue RADOC, radiation mm -hmm. oncology. We, it's, we call it RADOC in the medical field. I discovered that after the first year of medical school, when I was given the opportunity to uh, work with Dr. Aki Yahala, my mentor, in a summer project. Mm -hmm. And he's a radiation oncologist. And the rest is history. I fell in love with radiation oncology because you need the knowledge of, you need to apply the knowledge of medical oncology because you do need to know as a radiation oncologist which chemotherapy agents can be used in the setting of radiation, mm -hmm. but it also applies physics, it also applies chemistry, it also applies radiology, because we do need to delineate the mm -hmm. tumor when mm -hmm. we're treating patients, when we're planning the treatment. So the, the collation of all of those attributes attracted me to radiation oncology. Mm -hmm. So I fell in love with that for sure. And of course, medical oncology and radiation oncology, they require a level of empathy mm -hmm. that I, I found to be somewhat natural. And I think because of my experience as a child and then observing my mom in and out of the hospital before she finally transitioned and the physician that I mentioned, I think that really primed me for this field. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Dr. E.B. I can actually tell you that with my own experience having radiation, precision is key as well. There's a whole process oh, that absolutely. takes place. Yeah. To make sure that things are lined up correctly and going to the right spots. <laughs> 
Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So image-guided radiation therapy is one of the techniques that we use. But mm -hmm. prior to even treatment, as I stated, we need to formulate a plan. Mm -hmm. And to do that, we need to capture a CT scan in the mm -hmm. treatment position using an immobilization device so you're stabilized. Then we place the tattoos. We use the lasers to line up the tattoos. And then we capture images and overlay those images on the images that are generated from the plan that is created to ensure that everything is superimposed mm -hmm. precisely, and then we deliver the treatment. So yes, yeah. that is just the protracted <laughs> version of what you just said. Yeah. That it has to be, it has to be precise. Yeah. And don't forget the mask. <laughs> and don't forget the mask. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. E.B., what are some things patients can do to prepare for radiation and how should they take care of themselves when radiation is complete? I've heard of some like type of detoxes and things like that, but can you speak to what you recommend? So for my patients, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. We don't have a set recommendation because, of course, I'm treating different sites of disease. Now, for patients, for GI patients, there are certain recommendations. For example, uh, because they are likely going to develop diarrhea, we have a certain diet restrictions. But in terms of what we consider integrative medicine. By that, there are some complementary medicine, herbal, et cetera. We're not strong proponents because mm -hmm. many of those studies have not been done in clinical trials or randomized trial settings. So mm -hmm. for the most part, and when patients present to us, to be honest, they're so overwhelmed that they're not really worried about preparation. They're so consumed with preservation of life. Mm -hmm. So we deal more with the nitty gritty. What are the side effects and how can you either avoid worsening side effects? So that is what I usually focus on. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. How do you balance the clinical aspects of cancer treatment with the emotional and psychological needs of your patients? What advice do you give them? Mm, now that's my passion <laughs> because I strongly believe that the patient is not just the cancer I'm treating. Uh, the patient is a whole patient. So I believe in treating the mind, the body, and the soul. And that's one of the reasons I wrote this book. And that's one of the reasons that I developed the Big C Reattitudes, mm -hmm. which is ascribed the acronym His Lamp. So the H is for restoration of hope. So it's reattitude. So each element or the enactment of each element is a re, right? So restoration of hope. And then the I is the reclamation of identity. The S is self-worth, which is the reaffirmation of self-worth. 
The L is reappraisal of life. The A is requited admiration. The M is rehabilitation of the mind. And the P is reignition of purpose. And I do believe that in employing the big C reattitudes and infusing it in my day-to-day discussion with my patients, I am addressing, we speak of the physical tumor, but there's the invisible tumor that's the psychological tumor that's growing and even if a patient is treated successfully and is enjoying the satisfaction that their treatment response was great the PET scan is negative the psychological tumor is still in existence even after because they're worried about recurrence. So all throughout the treatment and beyond. And I think it's, well, not I think, I know it's important to address that because patients need that their inner man to be fortified while they're going through treatment and also beyond. And one of the approaches I use, as I said, applying his lamp. Mm -hmm. But when my patients have completed treatment, we conduct this graduation ceremony Mm -hmm. and I present them with certificates and the family members are invited to. And there's always something unique about each patient. Mm -hmm. And in my interaction, because I'm applying his lamp, I know a lot about my patients in terms of what they care about, what what makes them tick? What is it? What's the main reason they want to preserve their lives? Because if you present them to my clinic, it means mm-hmm. that you want to live. Yes. But when you feel hopeless, what is that thing, that one thing or that one person that you think about that gives you some level of, you have this attachment that you want to live for that one thing or that one person. So I always engage, even before I discuss the medical terminology or the cancer treatment algorithm, Mm -hmm. I want to know about my patients because then I have that in my armamentarium when my patients are down, when they're feeling hopeless that I can use, I can employ to remind them of why they want to live. Because we have to recognize that if our patients aren't, they don't feel comfortable, then they won't be open. And if they're not open, right, then we won't know when they are experiencing their ups and downs, but we are very aware that it is occurring, right? It it is occurring because if if you are not a cancer patient, Mm -hmm. you go through ups and downs. So, So that means a cancer patient is dealing with that even more so it is imperative that is addressed. And so, At the graduation, I usually, it's like an exit speech, so to speak. I usually implore them to process what they've been through. But I lay the foundation by stating that 
there is no question that it takes resilience and courage to go through what they've been through. And it is not just a cliche. It is, it is absolutely tang. It's so palpable because some patients have undergone surgery, some mm -hmm. patients have undergone chemotherapy and then radiation. And so the, there's this entire phase of their life that is just engulfed mm -hmm. by this process. And they have not had time to process yes. because once they've been diagnosed, they're told you need this appointment. And so I don't think they really grasp how much it takes to wake up every single day and say, okay, I am going to find the strength to present to treatment, even with the side effects. Life in itself is challenging without yeah. cancer. That's right. right? Yeah. But someone needs to tell them. Mm -hmm. Right? Someone needs it. Someone needs to tell them how much they are truly admired for that. And I think the best person to do so is their physician. And I say that not because I think that it's not as, mm, it doesn't resonate uh, from a, a husband or wife, but many times we think that someone close to us will be quite endearing. Mm -hmm. It has more weight. I absolutely want them to leave with and they also need to process mm -hmm. so I usually instruct them to take some time to sit with themselves and process what they've been through because you cannot go through pain without gaining something from that that's experience right. that's yes. that's the sole currency of it all yes. you cannot walk away from pain and not extract extract those intangibles from the adversity. You must do so because that is really what uplifts you. Mm -hmm. That is what empowers you for the next stage of your journey. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dr. E.B., I just wish I could come through this computer and hug you because you oh, get it. Yeah. Like you were speaking to my soul. And I, wow. while you're talking, I'm looking back at myself going through that experience and yeah. you truly get it. And you're such a blessing to your patients. Dr. E.B., what advice do you have for other healthcare providers that maybe are not as empathetic as you are? Mm. So we're all unique, mm -hmm. right? And we all have different backgrounds. I mentioned my perspective, right? My experience led me to be who I am, right? So mm -hmm. they may not have that background, but everyone who enters medicine for a reason. Yeah which means that they do have the capacity, right? And so whatever their capacity is, 
because we all have different capacities, right? A glass has a different capacity than a jug, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 or a larger container. So we all have different capacities, but whatever the capacity is, it can be used. For example, I worked with a physician once and he was not necessarily as effusive, so to speak, but he would find some commonality with the patient, talk about, for example, sports, etc. Mm-hmm. And he would always escort the patient from the room to, to exit the building. Yes, Dr. Stalter, I, I mentioned him in one of my pros because I thought that was so awesome. I yeah. noticed it the very first day. I worked with him. Wow. Uh, and so I use that example to see that every physician has a unique ability to portray, to convey to the patient that they care on a level that's beyond just treating the cancer. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. E.B., for sharing that. I want to talk a little bit more. You touched on it a little bit, but you actually have a book. Path to Soul Immunity, Soul Currency for Life in the Big C. And that book emphasizes the importance of adopting faith and hope rather than despair and a cancer diagnosis. Can you share some practical strategies or advice for individuals and their loved ones to maintain a positive outlook during a challenging time such as cancer? Yeah. What I usually tell my patients, again, I think I mentioned this before, I alluded to this, Mm -hmm. that whenever one needs hope, then it's really about what triggers hope, what instills hope. And it's usually something that they really care about. So I usually use that as my starting point. Now, For me, I'm a believer. So for patients who are believers, then we engage in a different conversation because we can interact on that level because a believer can lose hope just like anyone else, right? That's right. So they can enter with faith, but as time goes on and they're really feeling low or they're experiencing toxicity and they're just exhausted Mm. period or they're questioning why me right everyone goes through that believer or not then i need to remind them of their faith the faith they walked in the room with the faith we discussed before that that we talked about what drove them to become a believer in the first place. I usually actually um, ascertain what their favorite scripture verse is, what it means to them. Why is it their favorite scripture verse? Because we all have different verses that speak to our inner man, right? Mm -hmm. And so usually that's my approach. Um, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? Even if they cannot see the end of the road, they know that there is 
the omnipotent one who never will never leave you or forsake you even when it appears that he's not there i need to remind them that he is and he is holding you he's holding you that grass when he died on the cross was to make sure that he never lets you go and so he's there with you in the dark times he is there with you so for my believers that's the conversation that we have mm -hmm. interestingly enough i have patients and i pray with my patients mm, wonderful i actually enter prayer with my patients who allow me to do so mm -hmm. and it's interesting because i do have patients who are not really believers who have also asked for prayer because when we're faced with our mortality, everything changes. And in the book, I write about repurposing the approach that we use for end-of-life care when we call a chaplain, right? Mm -hmm. A chaplain is called in the hospital, right? And the family member and the patients usually agree to it, right? Usually, invariably, they agree. But that's at the end of life. Now, Cancer patients are facing their mortality. So my question is, if we can use that approach for end of life, then why can't we repurpose that approach, introduce it earlier in the process so that we can give our patients another rope of hope? Mm -hmm. Because really, that is... And of course, I'm biased because I'm a believer, but yeah. not only that, it's the truth. Yeah, yes, right? the, the way, truth. the truth and the light. It mm -hmm. is the truth. And the truth sets you free. Absolutely. Exactly. And as I said, I have patients who are unbelievers who actually, actually ask for prayer because again there is something about facing your mortality that changes your entire perspective you probably know about thomas collins right mm -hmm. he was an nih mm -hmm. direct exactly yes. he was a total atheist yes I mean, <laughs> you can say total atheist there's no partial atheist i know what you mean <laughs> but but yes yeah. and he had an encounter yeah, And the reason he had an encounter was because of the experiences he had with patients. He, he there, there were certain, uh, I would say, I guess, inexplicable, that's the word he used, which really, he's, it's miracles, right? Mm -hmm. But there were inexplicable responses to treatment that cases that he saw patients who should not have recovered and they did. And I think during that time of his life, he was really processing that. And when he, I think it was on a vacation that he ruminated, mulled over all these experiences and then had an encounter and completely converted. Wow. So it, it it's that says a lot because this guy is a well-known established scientist mm -hmm. right so yeah. i say this to say that if someone is facing their mortality right wouldn't be they be more prone 
to accept than than a scientist. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't introduce it to my patients, to be honest, because that is what saved me. Mm-hmm. That is what brought me hope when I was going through difficult times when my mom died and my brothers and I were on our own. When she saw that vision of our lives that we didn't see because she had so much faith. Yeah. So it would be selfish of me not to at least introduce to my patients what carried me through life. That's amazing. Thank you for doing that. It's so important and much needed. Yeah. Dr. E.B., where can the audience find your books? They're very powerful. Where can they get them? Amazon, of course. Mm -hmm. And then my book is sold in most stores, Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million, The Audible, most of my colleagues, my patients, I don't allow my patients to buy my book, by the okay, way, okay. Uh, but my patients prefer the audible because yes, you know, my voice, exactly the tone, the intonations, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Dr. E.B., where are you located? Just in case some of the listeners out uh, there are interested uh, in working with you. That's an absolutely difficult question. <laughs> You're everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, I'm in the Midwest now, but I had this great opportunity to lead in the development of the institution and launching of the Radiation Oncology Center in my home country in Jamaica. That was about, I would say... Oh gosh, time certainly flies three, four years ago, five years ago, I think. And because of that experience, I have been given the opportunity to at least launch centers here, maybe not from the inception, the machines already there, they're ready to go, but I am there to open the clinic and establish the culture, which Mm. is actually for me, very important. Absolutely. Yes, it is. That's amazing. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Before we wrap up, Dr. E.B., I have one more question, but you did mention that you wanted to read a prose from your book. Are you still wanting to do that? Okay. Thank you for allowing me to do I really appreciate it. So this prose is entitled Thinking of You. And it's for my cancer patients. Thinking of you. A cliche used almost ubiquitously. A phrase of endearment, sometimes addended glibly. Often embossed on greeting cards or memorabilia. With kind thoughts to share. Affection and to evince care whether ported from a distance or from its origin near. Thinking of you is the quintessence of thoughtful resort, safe and simple, seldom met with retort. But this herein that I share is not just a task, effaced with rhetorical mask. It's authentic. It's profound and it is sincere, breaching the shield of fear, reaching the soul's depth, what lies beneath 
to probe all within this insightful prose for cancer patients around the globe. Your thoughts of the future clouded with uncertainty, misted with its inherent unpredictability, entangled with a panoply of smears and restless tears. Yet, despite the pain, frustration, doubts, and fear, life you still bravely dare, boldly proclaiming, I'm still here. And though you may have thoughts of giving up, sometimes decidedly without bluff, self-martyred by your inner dissonance and pain, threatening the future for which you were ordained. But these psychological dents do not negate your strengths and scars born from the deep wounds of emotional solitude could never alter, defeat, or preclude your incredible fortitude. But in fact, they authenticate your exceptional capacity to rebound on the rim of faith with such tenacity. Indeed, a remarkable attribute might I say, that's just one of your many irrefutable truths. So whenever you're harboring thoughts of uncertainty or find yourself teetering on the ledge of negativity, when your inner voice declines admiration defiantly, just remember this, your loved ones, family, and physicians unanimously derived consensus is that you are a flagship sailing through life's raging seas. Though petulant and tempestuous, a pioneer of undeniable courage, strength, and indubitable resilience, emblem of all these admirable attributes combined a human nexus. Yes, that's you. That's the you that we see as clear as can be. However, whatever and whenever we're thinking of you. And if you take a good long, thoughtful look at yourself and all that you've been through. That true version of you, you will see it too. Wow, that's beautiful. Wow, and very powerful. Thank you for doing the honor, Dr. E.B. Thank you. Wow. Thank you for allowing me to do that. That's a blessing. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Dr. E.B., where can people go to find out more about you? What's your website? MyDrEB.com. It needs updating, though. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Dr. E.B., before we end, is there anything else that you want to share that you haven't had the opportunity to share? 
I would like to thank you for developing this platform to help others. It's actually one of the big C reattitudes. It's reigniting purpose, right? You chose after going through what you went through to then use the pearls of wisdom, knowledge that you gained from your Ecclesiastes, right? The ups and downs, the vicissitudinous terrains that you had to sojourn and you packaged it all just to share with others, to empower them. And so I thank you for that. Okay. I thank you. For, I thank you for doing that for all, all those cancer patients out there and their family members, the lives you touch. You may not know how many lives you touch because the lives you touch they then touch other lives. It's like a tree with the roots and then the branches and then there are branches from those branches and then there are branches from those branches. So it's all interconnected. So there may be someone in a country you've never been to. You've touched their lives without even knowing. So please never stop doing what you're doing mm -hmm. because it takes a very special person to change adversity into a story that empowers millions of lives. Wow, Dr. E.B., thank you so much. I just, coming from you, a, a physician, a doctor, that means the world. I never even thought about it like that, but it's something that I love. I want to thank you so much for acknowledging my efforts, and I just really appreciate everything that you're doing, and you are touching so many lives. You have touched my life with the work that you do and all the help that you are giving to cancer patients that are coming after me. It's just amazing what you do, and I'm so honored that you took the time to talk with me today because I know you're very busy. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. And it was indeed my pleasure. pleasure. Thank you, Thank Dr. E.B. My pleasure. I wish you the best with everything that you're doing. I know there's a lot of clinics out there that are going to be amazing because of you. <laughs> so oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. It's his ordained purpose. Once you walk in his purpose, then everything aligns, right? It's his purpose. Yeah. It's his purpose. God is a, he's funny. He's funny <laughs> like that. There are things that you think may not be the way that you would have mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. the path you would have trod, but that's the way he works. And then when he shows you the way, when you're at the intersection and he tells you to go that way 
and you think another way would have been better because it's logical. Yeah. But when you're at the end of that road, in retrospect, you realize everything he orchestrated for you to be just where you are right now. It's divine, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's divine. I think that is a very powerful and beautiful note to end our conversation on, Dr. E.B. I can't thank you enough. Before we end today, I'd like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Please share, follow, or subscribe so that you can easily find this podcast and listen again. You can listen to Navigating Cancer Together on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're looking to expand your professional network, please join me on LinkedIn. As an active member on the platform, I would like to personally invite you to connect with me. Let's grow our connections together. Search for Talaya Dindi BCPA. That is spelled T-A-L-A-Y-A-D-E-N-D-Y-B-C-P-A. That is it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you found it helpful. Please be sure to subscribe, share, and tell your friends and family about it. For notes from the show and previous episodes, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. I would love it if you join me for the next episode. Talk to you soon.